Hallelujah. In Jesus Christ's name we've prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, welcome to church once again. Ask your neighbor, are you ready for the word? Are you ready for the word? I don't see you asking somebody, you're just saying it out. Ask, turn it to your left and right and ask your neighbor, are you ready for the word? Are you ready for the word? Hallelujah. And you know whether he is ready or she is ready with her Bible wide open, with his or her book open, with a pen ready to write. Amen. So today we'll continue from the teaching that we started from last week. We're teaching, or I was teaching about setting the mind on the things of the Spirit. And once again, for the benefit of those who are joining us for the first time today, you know, the church we've been looking at the theme for this year, Life in the Holy Spirit. Life in the Holy Spirit is our theme for this year. And then, you know, we're teaching on setting the mind on the things of the Spirit. So it's the teaching number two on this topic. Turn with me to Colossians chapter one. Colossians, Colossians chapter three. I think the media team have just robbed me of 10 minutes. I don't know where it went to, but I knew that my time was 60 minutes, but I'm seeing 40 something. So if justice can be done, for me to have my 10 minutes back, I will, I will, I will appreciate it, hallelujah. So, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, on things, not on things on earth. For you died. Say, I have died. I died with Christ. And I rose with Christ. And your life is hidden with Christ in, in God. Say, my life is hidden with Christ in God. Hallelujah. So because we believe that Jesus died and he resurrected, because we believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he died and rose again, we seek the things which are above. Hallelujah. We seek the things which we are aware, which are above. We are called as believers because this book is written to believers, Christians who believe in Christ. We seek the things which are above. We set our minds on the things that are above. Hallelujah. So from this verse, we can begin by asking a question. What does above mean? Amen. Because the Bible says we should sink the things that are above. He's talking about the sky. Maybe when you go out, you see birds flying in the air. Then you begin to seek the things that are above. What does that above really, really mean? What does the Bible mean by the things which are above? So above in this passage is translated from the Greek word ano, A-N-O. If you are writing, A-N-O. That's the word that was translated. Which means above, high, up. Hallelujah. It means above, it means high, it means up, something that is not of this realm. Something that is different from this physical earthly realm. And this same word is what was used by Jesus Christ in John chapter 3 verse 3. Give me John chapter 3 verse 3. Where we read Elaron. John chapter 3 verse 3. John chapter 3 verse 3. There was a, okay, John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So that word again there is what is referring to above. Hallelujah. Born again there means from above, from another realm. Now, this word again cannot align it if it's in your Bible, if the Bible is yours. The word again used in this verse 3 is translated from the Greek word anothen, which is also means anew and from above. 
Let me spell it for you. A-N-O from the previous word. Uh, above. A-N-O-T-H-E-N. A-N-O-T-H-E-N. Now some of you are asking, why do we mention Greek word and all these things? So that we will better understand because the Bible was not written in English. Hallelujah. So the learning of this thing is not for fancy's sake. It's to help us as students of the word to comprehend the meaning of the scriptures. So this means what? Anew. To be born anew. It means from above. From a different realm apart from our earthly realm. Hallelujah. So Jesus here was saying, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born from above. Not the physical birth. But once one is born from above, from another realm, which is not earthly realm, which is not the physical realm, he cannot see or have access to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. You know, the Amplified Translation gives the Greek word in, what, what meaning? John 3, verse 3 in the Amplified. Classic AMPC. Yes. It says, Jesus answered him, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you that unless a, a person is born again. Now, this born again in the bracket is the explanation of that word again. I knew, as I explained previously, from above, he cannot see, know, be acquainted and experience the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So, if you are here and then, you know, you are not born again, you cannot have an experience of the kingdom of God. So for us to live the life of the Holy Spirit as we are, we are being asked this year by God to, to, to look at, we must understand what it means to be born from above. It is crucial to understand what it means to be born again. It is important to know what it means to be born from above. Because the life in the Spirit is a life lived from above. The life in the Spirit is a life which is lived from above, not from the earthly realm we are. So we, we are on earth, but we function from a strength we derive from another realm because that is where we are, seated with Christ. Therefore, we are called to live from where? From above. Our focus of living, when we live from this earthly realm, your focus will be on earthly things. Hallelujah. But we who are born again from above, who are born from above, are called to live from that realm to which God has, you know, begotted us in, in the sun. So Jesus expected, or he expects Nicodemus, a scholar and a teacher of the scripture, you know. Give me John chapter 3 verse 1. We read earlier on from the reading, yes. Jesus answered John, John 3 verse 1 verse 1. Just want us to see the person of, of Nicodemus. Now, there was a certain man among the Pharisees, and a Pharisee is an expert in what? In the scriptures. He's a professor of the scriptures. He's someone that has studied the, the, all, the scripture. When I mean scripture, I mean the Old Testament scriptures in the time of Jesus Christ. And his primary assignment is to study it and to teach. A certain among the Pharisees, Named Nicodemus, a ruler. Not only that he's a teacher of the word, he's a nobleman, a ruler, a leader. Amen? An authority. So it's part of the Sanhedrin, it's part of the Senate of his time. He's a leader, he's an authority among the Jews. So Jesus has an expectation upon this man that he should understand what it means to, to be born from above. Jesus expects him to know these things. These things. He asked him, let's, let's look at that John chapter 3, verse 9 to 10. If you have a message, I'll prefer it in the message translation. It portrays so much of the emphasis I want to make. John chapter 3, verse 9 to 10 from the message translation. Yes, verse 9. Nicodemus asks, what do you mean by, by this? How does this happen? Jesus said, you are a respected teacher of Israel. And you don't know these basics. Amen. He is a respected teacher of Israel. So there is an expectation that he should understand these basics about the new birth. Because it is all written in the scriptures. And what have you been teaching? 
I could see Jesus asking him, then what have you been teaching all these years? What have you studied? What have you, what have you majored on? What have you come to know and you are now a scholar and you are teaching? Verse 10. Verse 10. Give me verse 10. He said, you are a respected teacher of, the, of Israel. And you don't know these basics. These are basic things. It's a basic thing that should be known by a respected teacher and a leader in his, in his, in his time. So Nicodemus couldn't understand the basics about salvation. And for us, it's also possible for you to be here. Hallelujah. It's also possible for you to be in church for all these years. You've even taught it. You've even gone out for evangelism to tell people about the new birth. But you're not born again or you don't understand what it means to be born again. It's possible you're here. It's very possible. To become a teacher and yet not know the basics about the salvation and not even being safe. It's very possible for someone that is not born again to preach. Hallelujah. It's possible for someone that is not born again to serve in church, to do activities, but yet does not even understand what it means to be born again. So what I want to be asking you this afternoon is, are you born again? Do you understand what it means to be born from above? Do you understand what it means to be born again? Not of the earthly birth, but of the spirit. The reason why we cannot effectively live the life in the Holy Spirit is because we lack the understanding of the very basic things of the Spirit. So many a times we struggle to live the life we've been echoing all this while because we lack the understanding of these basics. Because our understanding of these basics will empower our Christ-like living. It will empower the living in the Spirit. And once you don't understand, it becomes difficult. It becomes a struggle. That is our salvation and all that it comes with it. This basics means our salvation and all that comes along with, with it. Now, the knowledge of these things cometh but through revelation. Hallelujah. This knowledge about these things, that means to be born from above, can only come to a man by revelation. It is not learned by academic excellence. It is not something you learn in school and then you, you understand it by academic knowledge. No. For you to understand these things, it must, it must come by what? By revelation. Romans chapter 16 verse 25. Quickly. Romans 16 25. New King James, please. Yes. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. So the, the, the message about this new birth is a mystery that has been kept from the foundation of the world. It has been, no, verse 25, please. It's a mystery that has been kept since the world began. And for you to come to this understanding, there must be revelation. Hallelujah. This mystery must be demystified for you to understand it. You can read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but you might not come to an understanding of this experience, of these realities, unless you receive revelation from who authored the entire process of salvation. Matthew 13, verse 10 to 11. But to us, you know, God has given us the opportunity. Matthew chapter 10, but 13, verse 10 to 11. He has given us the ability to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. Matthew 13, 10. Yes, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Because the, 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 the message about this new birth in scriptures becomes parables. is is illustrated in the Old Testament scriptures in parables. Hallelujah. He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you. Amen. So it has been given to me. That is a believer. It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has, been, it has not been given. Hallelujah. So Jesus has to open the eyes of the disciples to understand the scriptures. He had to give them revelation that they will come to the understanding of what it means to be born again. Luke chapter 24, verse 25. Message translation. Luke 24, 25, 27. Luke 24, from verse 25. Message translation. 
Then he said to them, that is when Jesus have rose from the death. And then he found some people, the context that they were talking about what has happened. And then Jesus appeared in their midst. Then he said to them, so thick-headed. It means you are, how dull, you are, you are foolish. So slow-hearted. Why can't you simply believe all that the prophet said? So the lack of understanding to most of us is because of unbelief. Don't you see that these things, these things had to happen, that the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into his glory? Verse 27. Then he started at the beginning. Hallelujah. If you're here last week, what do you mean by the beginning? Huh? Genesis, yes, the book of the beginning, right? Genesis, with the books of Moses, right? Genesis and the first five books, right? And went through all the prophets. The prophet refers to the books of the prophets. Pointing out everything in the scriptures that refer to who? To himself. Amen? So his exposition, or his, his teaching, or his, he took them through a, a whole lot of lengthy Bible study. And believe me, that cannot be done in just one second. Hallelujah. He had to walk them through scriptures from Genesis, from all the Old Testament scriptures, pointing them to, know, to things that refer to himself. Jump to verse 44. Verse 44. Then he said, everything I told you while I was with you comes to this. All things written about me in the Lord of Moses... The Lord of Moses referred to what? Refers to the book of Genesis. Hallelujah. In the prophets and in the Psalms have to be fulfilled. He went on to open their understanding of the word of God. So for you to understand these things, there must be an opening of your mind by the spirit of God. Showing them how to read their Bibles this way. Amen. Which means that there's a way to read the Bible. And this is the right way to read the Bible. In the light of Christ. Hallelujah. Say so this is the right way to read the Bible. In the light of who? In the light of Christ. So you read the Bible looking for things concerning Christ. Looking at the exposition. All the things concerning Jesus Christ. So today we're going to follow the same example as Jesus did. As he has showed them from the beginning. To the prophet, to the psalmist, the things concerning himself. Also, we, in order for us to grasp the concept of salvation, the concept of the new birth, we will walk through the same process, same technique, the same teaching method he employed in order for us to understand the issue of being born from above. Then he started at the beginning with the book of Moses and went through all the prophets, pointing out everything in the scriptures that referred to him. So let's go to the book of the beginning. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter, chapter 1 verse 26. Genesis 1 26 King James. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Hallelujah. So the phrase, as I said last week, let us, speaks of an intention of God. And this is actually where the concept, of, not the first, in fact, right from Genesis 1 verse 1, salvation was, 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 was preached in Genesis 1 verse 1. But this is talking about what? The salvation of mankind. Hallelujah. This is talking about what God will do in Christ. Amen. So the word, let us, speaks of an intention of God. God is setting his plan for man. And man, in verse 26, refers to humanity, all of the humanity. Therefore, in God's plan, God wants to make humanity in his image. He wants man, mankind, or humanity to be created in his image. The image will be what will make him have dominion. This image that is the likeness of God is what will make the man that will be to have dominion over the earth. Hallelujah. Hence, when God said, let us make man in our image and likeness, God was stating his intention for man to be found in Christ, his son, the image of God. God's plan was for man to be in his image, 
to be in Christ. That is, God wanted man to have an eternal life, an everlasting life, because God is eternal. Hallelujah. In Genesis chapter 2, we see the creation of man. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Verse 7, rather. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life. Now, this breath of life is not eternal life. It's oxygen. Hallelujah. The breath of life is the ability of the man to become a living being. And the man became a what? A living being. Because he was made out of dust, God breathed into him and he became a living being. Hallelujah. So we see here in Genesis 2 verse 7 that when God made the first man, he only became a living soul. Not in the image of God. The Bible here did not say that he became the image of God right away. No. That means Genesis 1, 26 to 28 hasn't happened yet in the first man. We can say categorically as we established last week that man here was created neutral. The word neutral is very, very purposeful here. For man to have eternal life, he has to accept an offer of life by faith. Believing in God by faith, there the man will have eternal life. That is why salvation is by faith right from the beginning to the end. Hallelujah. It's the work of grace by faith that man will believe and man will become born again, will be born from above, born from another realm. Genesis 2 verse 8 to 9. And, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God, God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the, of the garden. And a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now every tree here as we established it last time it means the two trees. Amen. The tree of life and also in the, the also in the midst of the garden and a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Two trees. Hallelujah. Verse 16 to verse 17. And the Lord commanded man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou mayest eateth, thereof thou shalt surely die. And we know for sure that this encapsulate both physical death and also spiritual death, the separation, eternal separation from God. Hallelujah. So if there are only two trees, God gave an instruction not to eat of one and to eat of another. The tree of life leads to what? Leads to eternal life. Hallelujah. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil leads to death. The tree of, of, of life leads to life. It is important to note here that Moses, as we said last week, because after this teaching, some people came to me that they couldn't understand what I was explaining. And I want to make this clearer today. Moses here, right, is communicating God's plan. In, communi in communicating God's plan, he adopts the use of figure of speech. Amen? To communicate God's promise of life to the world and the consequences of choosing life, which is death, of not choosing life, which is death. So we said last week that, you know, actually, man did not actually eat something and then he became sinful. It's a figure of communication, a way of communication, communication rather, that Moses employed as a, as a writer in order to convey a message about how man failed. In order to explain the revelation he saw. Hallelujah. So we explained that Moses, what Moses meant by eating, right? Last week we talked about this. It means to believe. You can go back to the message. It's uploaded already. And study and listen again what we mean by eating. To eat simply means to believe. So there right on is the presentation of life and death. A choice of, of, of believing in Jesus for eternal life. And man used his will to do what? Man exercised his will in choosing death instead of life. Verse, Genesis 3 verse 6 to 7. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of his fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, 
and they sew fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So here we see that the man, the hum humankind, exercised will that was in man and made a choice. Hallelujah. That is why today the concept of salvation is a matter of choice. You're choosing between life and death. So from Genesis here, we see that. Verse 14, verse 15. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, the deceitful of Satan, right? Thou hast done this. Thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. But upon thy belly shall thou go, and thus shall thou eat all days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Hallelujah. The serpent here is also figurative. Amen. The serpent here is also what figurative, symbolizing Satan. If you go through the book of Revelation, you see how the book of Revelation explains that old serpent. That is a devil, right? That is a figure of, uh, that is a, 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 you know, a mood of communication. Hallelujah. So from here, we see that the fact of the gospel is displayed as a promise, as a prophecy. God decree that this is what will happen to the serpent. And this is the attempt that the devil will do. And that seed is referring to Christ. Hallelujah. That seed of the woman is referring to who? Is referring to Christ. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So let's try to answer a question here briefly. We've come to a place where man made a choice and rejected the offer of God of life. Now, is the sin of Adam automatic to all men? Amen? Is the sin of Adam automatic to all men? Does it make all men sin? Meaning Adam's sin and all men are also sinful because of the sin of Adam. Hallelujah. Now I want you to be sensitive here. I'm going to say something that will crash maybe some people's theology and I'm willing to risk it. Hallelujah. So long as you know the truth, does it mean that the sin of Adam becomes our sin? Amen? Now, it's a popular teaching that the sin of Adam is what we all are suffering from. I have believed this. I have taught this. I have lived this. Now, what this statement will mean, if this is our perception, that Adam's sin and all of us Mankind are going to be punished because of the sin of one man. Then this is what it means. This is what it explains. Common sense will help us to understand the character of God here. It means that God is a bad and a wicked father. For example, in a family, one person commits a crime. Then the father punishes everybody in the family because of the crime of one person. Amen. Does that make sense? Does that portray God as a loving? Then where is love in God? Since one man will sin, then all the members of that family, including their children yet unborn, are already sentenced. And it simply means that God is not fair, right? It's not because, I mean, Adam made that choice. I didn't make the choice. I didn't disbelieve. I didn't, I didn't make the same decision as Adam did. It simply means that God is... is, is it's not, it's not really a fair, it's not a God of justice. It means that God, is your man and thing. Does that portray God as a loving father? Does that portray him as, even our earthly fathers will not punish all of us for the sin of one son. Amen? If you who are evil knows how to good, give good gifts to your children, how about what? Our heavenly father who is good, who is perfect, who is righteous. That would be it bad and a terrible father. Now, this misrepresentation of the character of God is the reason many people hate God. It's the reason many people don't even want to accept the salvation message. Now, the sin of Adam did not automatically come upon you. Hallelujah. The sin of Adam did not what? Automatically becomes your sin. I'm saying this very, very clearly. You are not a sinner because Adam sinned. You are a sinner by choice. Amen? 
You are a sinner by what? By choice. You are a sinner by choice. And then somebody will say, okay, how can we bring the argument now in Romans chapter 3 verse 23? What about what Romans 23, 23 says? Give me Romans 23, 323. King James, Romans 323. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this means all of us have sinned. Amen. Then we begin to say, ah, this is what the scripture is saying. But for us to understand the scriptures as we always made it the culture here, in interpreting scripture, we must read the pretext, I mean, text that comes before it, right? The Bible must be read in its entirety. The context of the Bible is the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Then you look at the chapters before that book, before that chapter. We must read the pretext and the post text, the text after it, in order to arrive at a reasonable conclusion. If not, we will cut the scripture out of context. So resting on this verse like this, saying all have seen, is a reason why many of us will do things and then we will refer to this verse. You know, ah, after all, all of us have seen, I've fallen short of the glory of God. And then we didn't even read the next phrase that comes after this. This is not even a complete verse. The next phrase, rather, being just, complete sentence, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And how do we receive this redemption? By what? By choice. Amen. Hallelujah. So in Romans 3, Paul was referring to, so what, let's, let's dwell on this Romans 3. Romans 3, Paul was referring to the law. The law of Moses has classified all of us to be sinners. Listen to what I'm saying keenly. The law of Moses has done what? Has classified all of us humanity to be sinners because nobody could keep the law. We couldn't keep the law First become sinners and not because of Adam. Are we together? Our being classified as sinners by the law is not because Adam sins, because we were not able to keep the law. Now, follow me gently. Give me Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to 14. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to 14. King James Version. New King James, yes. Verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man... Sin entered into the world. Hallelujah. So sin came into the world through who? Through one man. Are we together? It entered the world and death by sin and so death passed from all men for all have sinned. Now, sin entered to the, into the world. Sin did what? It entered into the world. Therefore, it means that God did not create sin. Amen? So sin is never the creation of God. Death says, the Bible says, came into the world because of what? Because of sin. It's there, right? Death through sin. So sin created death and not God. So we've seen that God did not create sin, number one. We've seen also that God did not create death. Sin gives birth to what? Death. So if you read in scripture, for example, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh in Job chapter 1 verse 21. The Lord give me Job chapter 1 verse 21. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Job 1 21. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. So what will happen? We bless God, right? And he said, after they announced to him about what has happened, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. Actually, is that, is that where you will return? I don't know. But anyway, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Does that align or agree with what we read as the cause of death here? No. Hallelujah. So here, Job was speaking as a man. Amen? He was expressing in his own words, his ignorance concerning the true nature and the character of God. Because the men in the Old Testament were not able to better comprehend the character of God. In fact, the men in the Old Testament, including the prophets, could not perfectly comprehend the character of God because Christ has not yet come. Because Christ is the express image of the Father. So if you will see God, you must see God through Christ. 
So if you want to know God, you want to know the character of God, whatever you see in Christ, that is what is in God. Hallelujah. That aside. So then, who created sin? Amen? Who created sin? Obviously, by one man, what happened? Sin came into the world. So man is the architect of his own problem. Hallelujah. So man, we're not even talking about Satan here. Amen? You see, in all this conversation, I didn't mention Satan even one. He's, he's, he's so irrelevant. Hallelujah. So man is the architect of his own problem because of unbelief. Sin came into the world. A foreign item that God never created was invented as a result of the disobedience of man. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Please don't sleep on me. Because this thing, we must finish it. (laughs) Amen. So man became the architect of his own problem through unbelief, seen and displayed in his disobedience. And God is not the architect of the problem of man. And so death passed upon all men. I'm still in Romans 5 verse 12. Death so so that and so death passed from all men. It means death passed from one man to another. Amen. What does it mean for something to pass? It means that he comes to this brother Chidi, it moves to his wife, it moves to this person. Death passed through what? Through all men. Past here, the word past in the past tense, past, he is translated from the word, the Greek word, they are they are komai. D-I-E-R-D-I-E-R-C-H-O-M-A-I which means travel through or walk through. Death walk through. Death travel through. Hallelujah. Death passed through all men means everybody was given an opportunity to make a choice. Amen. So everybody was given an opportunity to make a choice to believe or to disbelieve. Now, let's move down to verse 13. For unto the law, sin was in the world. Romans 5, 13. Unto the law, sin was in the world. But sin did not, was not, or is not imputed when there is no law. Now, the law here refers to Moses. Hallelujah. The law here refers to who? It refers to Moses. And Moses was born where? In Exodus. So, how did Moses wrote Genesis? By revelation. Hallelujah. Was, Genesis, was Moses in the was he in the beginning? He was not there, but by the virtue of revelation he received, he was able to write the revelation through symbols, through pictures, through a serpent eating a fruit, and then sin came. Hallelujah. Because even the people could not even understand the spiritual things that he was explaining to them. They were parables because they were not born again. Hallelujah. So, from Genesis till Exodus, sin was in the world. Because it was introduced in chapter 3, right? Sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed. So, what does it mean to be imputed? What is the meaning of that word imputed? It is an accounting word translated from another Greek word. Elogio, E-L-L-E-L-L-O-G-E-O. Pronounce it the way it is. Which simply means put on account. Hallelujah. To put something on account. So sin is not accounted, meaning no man is held accountable. Therefore, the introduction of the law held us accountable for sin. So how we came into accountability is because of the law. The law now exposes us, exposes what? The unbelieving man. Romans 5.14, nevertheless, there reigned from Adam to Moses and even over them that had not seen after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Now, what I want to emphasize is the similitude of Adam's transgressions. Over them that had not seen after the similitude of Adam's transgression will mean that there were people who did not sin just as the way Adam sinned. Hallelujah. 
it means that in that period, they were righteous men. They were men of faith in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. They were men who believed the salvation message in the Old Testament. Scriptures in Genesis, in Exodus. Therefore, the sin of Adam was not automatically passed on to them. Someone can ask you, okay, give me an example. Example number one, Abel. Hallelujah. Abel was not a sinner. He was a believer. How did I come to this conclusion? Hebrews gives us an explanation. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4. Quickly. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4. When he was enumerating the men of faith, men who believed God and it was accounted to them as righteousness, it says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. What does it mean to be righteous? It means to be set right with God. And how do we become righteous in this dispensation? By believing the gospel message. So Abel was presented the message of salvation as a promise and he believed. And God accounted him to be righteous. Hallelujah. So God testifying of his gifts and through it he being dead still speaks. Verse 5. We see another character. By faith another man, Enoch, was taken away that he did not see death. And was not found because God taken him, taken, God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had his this testimony that he would, that he pleased God. How can man please God? You can please God by believing in what Christ has done. Hallelujah. So Enoch believed the message concerning salvation. And he did not sin in the similitude of the sin of Adam. So the sin of Adam is not automatic. Hallelujah. Verse what? The next verse. Um, Verse 6, yes. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God believes that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who, would, who diligently seek him. Verse 7. By faith, another character. Being Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen. What are those things not yet seen? The coming danger. The coming danger has a lot of unbelief. Move with godly fear, prepare an ark. That ark is a typology of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's a figure representing Jesus Christ. Prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to what? Works by faith. So Noah also was a man presented with the gospel and he believed. And he and his household accepted and the world, the surrounding world were condemned because they refused to believe the message concerning Christ. Hallelujah. So look at this, this way. Abel was born in a house of who? Of Adam, of Adam right? Who is Adam? Adam. Adam sinned. And, and Abel became righteous. If the sin of Adam was automatic, Abel would have been regarded a sinner. Amen? Which means that it is not automatic. Hallelujah. This will mean that children... Are not born sinners. Amen. All children belong to the kingdom of God. I want to answer, answer one question here. Somebody has one asked. When a child, an infant died, where does he go? Heaven or hell? Now this is the answer. All children belong to where? The kingdom of God. Matthew 19 verse 13 to 15. We see where Jesus was making this illustration. 19, um, Matthew 19, verse 13 to 15. Then, li then little children were brought to him that he might put his hand on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not forbid them for, uh, for, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hand on them and departed from there. Hallelujah. For such is what is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. For such is the kingdom of heaven. All children, no matter who gave birth to them, whether it's a native doctor that gives birth to the child, whether the father and the mother are witches and wizards, so long as it's a child, a human being that is born, amen, at that level of innocence, is a child of God. Belongs to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Whether it's a Muslim that gives birth to the child, whether it's a prostitute that gives birth to the child, the child is what? The child belongs to the kingdom of God. 
Hallelujah. They are all from God and they belong to God. So when that child dies at infancy, the child returns to God. Where did it come from? Amen. So why don't... Yeah, they don't have to be born again to belong to God. That's what I wanted to make emphasis here. They cannot be punished for the sin of their parents. Hallelujah. Those children cannot be chastised or punished for the sin of their parents. Because why? There's compassion in God's justice system. God is fair and God is right. If so, you know, we've answered this question, right, about the origin or the, the destiny of children that died. Then what, at what point is man a sinner? If sin is not inherited by virtue of our Adam, you know, relationship, relation, then at what stage is a man a sinner? When his consciousness is activated. Amen? When the man's consciousness is what? Is activated. When he begins to know his right from his left. At this point, he is no longer innocent. Hallelujah. At this point, when the gospel is preached to such an individual and he rejected it, he becomes a sinner by choice. He is now an unbeliever. At that moment, he becomes a temple of demons. So therefore, men became sinners by choice of rejecting the gospel or they became righteous by accepting the gospel. Hallelujah. This is how we became sinners. So we see God's promise of, ma for ma of, of man's salvation started, you know, with Abraham. That was the beginning of it. You know, it started with Abraham. Time will not permit us to go into this detailly, but we'll look at it subsequently. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, quickly. Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3. We'll see the, the continuation because there was a promise of a salvation through Christ, right? Now the Lord has said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Last week I said in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, there are important things to note. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, land, promise, descendants, children, right? These are things you will see familiar in the book of Genesis. Verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. This blessing is not cows, it's not sheep, it's not goat, it's not cars, it's not, it's not anything material. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This blessing is what he's talking about salvation in Christ Jesus. Chapter 17 verse 4 to 8 quickly. Chapter 17, verse 4 to 8. Genesis 17, verse 4 to 8. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Amen. Many nations here referring to believers that will come to believe in the message concerning Christ. Verse 5. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham. Abraham, For I, am, I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. Hallelujah. Now I establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. To be God to you and your descendants after you. Verse 8. Also I give you and your descendants after you the land which you are a stranger. Well, look at what that land is. That land is not the land of Israel. Hallelujah. All the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession and I will be their God. Chapter 18 verse 18 quickly. Chapter 18 verse 18. Chapter 18, verse 18. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. In him is a question. Chapter 22, verse 17 and 18. Chapter 22, verse 17 and 18. Blessing, I will bless you, 
and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens, as a sun which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. He's talking about you and I in Christ. Hallelujah. In your seat, talking about Jesus, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Hallelujah. Because you have believed the message concerning the Christ. Abraham believed, he obeyed. Adam disbelieved, he disobeyed. Amen. And then we see the promise continue with, 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 uh, with Jacob, Genesis 46, verse 3. Genesis 46, verse 3. Genesis 46, verse 3. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. Talking to Jacob, right? Reiterating the promise he made to Isaac, to Abraham, down to Jacob. Hallelujah. So what is the promise? Let's quickly look at this promise. We're talking about promise. Let's just, let's peep into it and move. Promise. What is the promise? Hebrews 11, 8. Hebrews 11, verse 8 to 16. By faith, Abraham obeyed. What does, he, what, did he, what does it mean he obeyed? He believed. Hallelujah. When he was called to go out to the place which he would receive an inheritance. Hallelujah. What was he to receive? An inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelled in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. So if the promise is Isaac and Jacob, then why will Isaac and Jacob be also partakers of the same promise? The haste with him of the same promise. So definitely the promise is not Isaac. The promise is not Jacob. For he waited for the city. So you see, we're not talking about Canaan, right? Abraham waited for a city which has foundations. Now this passage is explaining Genesis for us. Hallelujah. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is who? Is God. Who built Israel? His people. is not God. They build houses, right? So definitely he's talking about what God will do in man. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age. This is talking about salvation. See Jesus pictured in Isaac. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Verse 12. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitudes. Jesus died and from his resurrection we became many. Immeasurable as a sun which is by the seashore. Verse 13. These all died in faith. That is all these Old Testament characters. They died in faith. Not having received the promised, the promises. But having seen afar of were assured of them. That means that Jesus never came in their, in their dispensation. But they saw it as a promise. They believed. And it was counted to them as righteousness. So they saw it from afar and they believed. But having seen them afar off, we're assured of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Verse 14. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Hallelujah. They seek a homeland. Amen. They seek a homeland. Verse 15. And truly, if they had called to mind that the country from which they had come out, they would have an opportunity to return. But how now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. By faith. Abraham he was. When he was tested. Offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise. Offered up his only begotten. Hallelujah. So we go on and we discover that. He's not talking about something physical. Something tangible. But it's referring to what, what God will achieve or accomplish in Christ Jesus. And the city is not talking about a physical city. It's talking about a heavenly city from above. Amen? From another realm. We're going to look at more detailly things from that realm, things from above. So the gospel message was revealed to Abraham, to Noah, to Abel, to Enoch, to all of them. 
and they believe. He believed it, and it was, it was in form of a promise. And the prophets also prophesied and thought about it, things concerning Christ. We see it in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The prophecies, the prophets wrote about Christ. Isaiah 7, verse 14. Isaiah 9, verse 6. Micah 5, verse 2. And then we see the prophecy about his suffering. Isaiah 52, verse 13 to 15, and Isaiah 53. And let's bring it back home as we close. John chapter 3, verse 1 to 21. John chapter 3, verse 1 to 21. Verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God. For no one can do these things that you have you've done, that you do, unless God is with him. Verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born anew from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit. Now this water and the spirit, this water simply means which is the spirit. Hallelujah. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless one is born of water, which is the spirit. We could have looked at it in the Old Testament where it is used as a, a, a typology to the new birth in Micah, in, in the Old Testament, yeah. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is what is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, oh, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, ah, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things, these basic things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify and we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who had come down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. And as Moses, that is Deuteronomy, Yes, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so in Moses we see what? We see a typology of Jesus Christ. Jesus represented by the serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be what? Be lifted up. What? what so what, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Verse 16. For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. 21, the last verse here. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Hallelujah. To understand the life from above, one must be born from above. And this is done by faith. Amen? So when we begin to examine the things concerning the spirit, it mustn't be foolishness to you. Hallelujah. Because you see, these things are foolishness. First Corinthians 2 verse 14. It says that these things are foolishness to those who are perishing. First Corinthians 2 verse 14. The things of the spirit, when we begin to go deeper into the things of the spirit, but the, the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit does not understand the things of the spirit of God. So if this foundation is not set right, you cannot even practice and believe and see and experience the things of the spirit. For they are, you know, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are what? They are spiritually discerned. Amen? So when we begin to look detailed about the things of the spirit, 
We begin to talk about speaking in tongues. If you are not born again, it will be strange to you. Amen? We begin to talk about laying hand on somebody to be healed. It will not be strange to you because you are born again. Hallelujah. Because you know that that is a realm that you are meant to operate in. Because you are born again and it's for you. Hallelujah. But if you are here and you are not born again, it's for you to believe in Jesus Christ and all that he has done. It's for you to put your trust in the finished work of Christ that you will be a partaker of this eternal life. Because the miraculous are a manifestation of what? Of eternal life. Hallelujah. The administration of healing is a fortress of eternal life. And a man that is not born in that realm cannot operate in these experiences. Because these things are only spiritually discerned and operated upon. So if you and I must walk in this dimension, we must, as a matter of fact, be born from above. Different from a realm as this of influence. Just open your eyes, close your eyes and, and thank God for this truth. Say, Lord, I expose myself to this reality. And this revelation is real to me daily as I live. And the communication of this truth will become a reality to me. And I thank you, Lord, that by faith I'm able to put my trust in you. That through the sacrifice of Christ, I am forgiven of my sins. And I'm eternally forgiven. And I can now live from above. Because I'm a man born from above. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.